Welcome, friends, to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Someone Gets Me. I have Dr. Kenita with us today, and we are going to talk about how to sleep better and get rid of all that inner stress. Sleeping better goes with pain management of all kinds, and when we free ourselves of inner distress, we can sleep better, function better, and we're happier. So from Maryland today, Dr. Kanita is here with us so that we can have this great conversation. She's multifaceted and has an extensive experience, even though she looks like she's still a teenager. (laughs) She's married, has a cute little dog, and a big life. So don't let that young face fool you. There's a lot of wisdom behind her. So you might want to grab a pen or a paper, get your favorite beverage, and sit back with me and relax and enjoy, enjoy this interview with Dr. Kanita. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Diane. This is fun. I'm so excited. Oh, this is going to be great. For everybody who may want to understand a little bit more mm-hmm. about how to relieve inner distress, we know there's lots of different ways to do it. And you teach some unique skills that really help people, particularly your videos that you've been doing on Qigong exercises and things like that. Can you share just a little bit about what your belief is and mindset is around inner distress and how it affects our sleep so that we have a foundation of of how you see things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, just to let everyone know, my background is in chiropractic, traditional Chinese medicine that includes um, acupuncture, the Chinese herbs, And I have also done um, martial arts since I was almost 12 years old. Um, I love, I couldn't really sit still as a child. So I definitely had all these activities I needed to do, um, starting actually with with Thai boxing. And it wasn't until um, when I went to grad school where I did all the chiropractic acupuncture school that I found my um, Sifu or my teacher in um, kung fu and the style i do is called hunga so it's like a southern martial arts Mm -hmm. um and so what actually got me to that is like it's really cool in acupuncture so we had a great teacher who he taught tai chi and after that i was like man i really miss this and it's just so relaxing to do as a whole class um so that's really what kind of propelled me into exploring more like the martial arts and also the health aspects of martial arts because we kind of see like oh it's like you know Jackie Chan Bruce Lee all this fighting but a lot of really good like true martial arts have like a health component to it right and you know I was lucky enough to be exposed to it in school so um, the qigong is super important to me in terms of kind of like a grounding practice to kind of help other than meditation like calm the inner critic I guess we can call it in our heads Uh or like all the self-doubt that comes in or even the stresses of life Um, because I was doing so many programs at once. Like I was crazy. I would wake up at 5 a.m. to study for three hours, (laughs) go to class at eight and then end at five, right? It's like, but what really helped me was I woke up every morning and you kind of talked about it this morning too. Like five, um, every morning, you know, started my cup of coffee Mm-hmm. And then I would do my, my Qigong exercises. And that really kind of start, started the day um, on a good note for me. It was just like everything, you know, is calmed down. It's quiet. And, you know, I can tackle the day with like a very light mind, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes total sense. So if we have a light mind, mm-hmm. if, if I get it right, then if there's not that much heaviness, then we, yes. by, by definition, have less distress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So part of other things that you do, I know you really specialize in pain management and mm-hmm. really help people release pain. And 
I know that I've suffered with pain and you've helped me with sending me videos here, do this, do that. And now I, and I, and I watch your video and I copy the best I can. It probably doesn't look so good, but it's as good as it, you know, like I'm like, okay, I think this is what she's doing. But the the neat thing about it is I already feel a lot better. Like I can feel good. uh, And I'm, I'm a very sensitive person. And so Mm. I notice things very easily. And so how does doing some of the martial arts and maybe even the Qigong Mm. specifically, how does it help with Mm. like that fast thinking, that overthinking, that inner critic? How does it help us not be controlled by those kinds of, Mm. I call them kind of gookie stucky, you know? Yeah, gookie um, stuff. (laughs) You know, how how does it work? That's a great question. So what I found is, especially Qigong and the martial arts, you, whether you kind of believe it or not, like, you know, things are changing your body when in your a certain posture, or like, if I hold a certain way, right, you feel the energy kind of go to certain places. And wherever you're stuck, you know, you'll feel it because you're like, Oh, I'm noticing that. But that also makes your mind kind of not think of all like the gookie stuff. And it's just more of observing of what's going on in your body. And with the Qigong, you're also um, I try my best to talk about alignment because the alignment is what helps with the free flow of energy throughout the body. Because we're all, if we're like slumped together, right? We have kind of like kinks. Like if you think of a hose, um, we have kinks in certain areas of the body that can't relax unless we try to go into a good alignment mm-hmm. with the Qigong. So that also helps us focus. The Qigong kind of quiets the, the you know, all the heaviness and makes us focus and observe what's going on with the rest of the body. Um, and that kind of, you know, it's very freeing too to kind of just think about that. Oh, that's really cool. So it's like we, it's distracting, but it's because it's distracting because you're being the witness to your own process, yeah. which is, which yeah. is very healing in, in a lot of neat mm-hmm. ways that, Oh, that's how that works. I can mm-hmm. feel that though. Sometimes <laughs> like, uh, you know, now it's all about me, right? Uh, I can, <laughs> I could feel when I did um, the first one I ever saw that I didn't even know who you were yet. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to I try that. You know, yeah. I'm like little Miss Curious. I'll try anything once. And, and the way you were teaching, I could get it. You know, mm. I, I understood and I could follow you. The, you know, at least I think I was following you. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and, <absolutely> great. <laughs> you know, and, and now that I've, I've had more interaction with you, I see more about why I was drawn to your particular way of teaching it because you have, have a really um, deep understanding that comes out in a very easy way for the, the audience or the listener or the patient to understand, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's really cool. So tell yeah. it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say it other than kind of not being a, like observing or being a witness, it also allows you to like when certain things do open up, you're like, oh, you know, I didn't think about that or like I didn't know about that myself at least that's what I found too and you start like then it kind of goes into or bleeds into other parts of your life I'm like oh I can improve this of myself so it's also a way to open the mind as we're like unblocking the um the kinks or the gunk that's whatever you want to call it (laughs) (laughs) I have lots of different um analogies and metaphors it kind of depends on my mood which one I use (laughs) so I I saw recently um, a post that you put on Instagram about your mom Mm -hmm. and, you know, the name of your clinic and all of that. And would you share with all of us a little bit about like where you come from, your family, Mm -hmm. um, and then also, of course, share the story about how you named your clinic and what it means. But I, when I, when I saw the picture, Mm -hmm. I could connect with some real family beauty and power and grace coming through. Mm-hmm. to you, through you, and out into the world. Yeah. And you could share about your heritage and your history and just oh how this is all unfolded, whatever you want to say. <laughs> I think I think it would just be really magical to hear. Yeah. Um, I thought I was thinking about this yesterday, so this is like perfect to talk about. So um, my last name's super long. That's why you're calling me Dr. Kanita. So my last name's Suverna Sudi. It's very Thai. <laughs> so my family... <laughs> is from Thailand. Uh, my parents were both born there. However, my mom is actually full Chinese. Like, so my grandpa um, 
on my mom's side, moved to Thailand, um, lost his whole family, actually, sadly, and started his life. He had eight kids. So my mom was one of eight kids. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and um, so, but even though culturally and language wise, I understand Thai, um, she actually grew up very Chinese. And it, there is like a slight difference in Chinese culture. And even Asian culture is very similar, but Chinese versus Thai is, is still very different. And part of me thinks that's why in my, no one, no one in my family is actually like a Chinese medicine doctor, except for me who grew up in the States, which is kind of funny, right? I just feel wow. like there was definitely an ancestral calling, whatever you want to call it, for me to pursue this medicine. Um, so that's a little bit of my background and kind of why I got into all the martial arts too. That's like in the Chinese realm. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, even though I started with Thai boxing, like Muay Thai is very kind of like intense, but um, the martial arts has been, and Qigong has been kinder to my body. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, this is, a, I think this is better for me right now. Um, so in terms of my, my practice name, um, it's called Aria Holistic Pain Management. So Aria um, comes from my mom's maiden name. So they actually changed their name when they moved to Thailand. So um, uh, the last name is Arya Vilaipong. It's really long too. <laughs> but I took just the first half of the name, so Arya, which in Sanskrit, you know, means the noble one. It also means, in Thai, it kind of means like kindness, I believe. And it also represents like a heroic spirit, uh, noble warrior. And I really love that meaning. And I named after my mom because in 2016, she passed away from cancer about actually like one month before I was supposed to graduate. Um, so it was very, you know, it was very hard for me, but it, throughout the whole process and something I thought about yesterday is when I got into all the medicine, it's like really when she was diagnosed with uh, cancer in um, 2013, um, it really catapulted me to like help her in any way possible. And, and because of her diagnosis, I didn't think about it until yesterday for real. Like, it's just so funny that it really, really did push me because I wasn't going to do like the Chinese herbs. But when I talked to my teachers, like, hey, I actually want to learn more about how Chinese medicine can help with cancer treatment, help with the side effects. She's like, you have to do herbs. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> because <laughs> it's really hard to do. I, it's like basically two masters and a doctorate at once. And no one has done it at my school. And, but because of like my, my mom's diagnosis, it really, really kind of pushed me and it pushed me to something I never knew I could do. And I did really well doing all three programs and I loved the whole process of it. So thinking about that, I was like, really when, you know, yesterday I didn't want to admit it, but I was like, yeah, she actually was like that catalyst that mm -hmm. propelled me into mm -hmm. the medicine and how fitting it would be to name it after her you know um and i hope to kind of like i cared for her during the whole process my teachers helped me you know when with all the side effects and i hope for all my patients that i give that same care to them too as it did to my to my mother that must be really special to be one of your patients because if you're bringing <laughs> that same care and noble kindness mm -hmm. to your patients that you did for helping your own mother Mm -hmm. that's that's a big statement you know and that you could that that's it that's like a view into your heart and your soul mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. who you are to do that it's just so beautiful so beautiful and so, yeah. so you did all three programs at the same time yeah <laughs> something else <laughs> that's why i woke up at 5 a.m it's just like that's what you have to do <laughs> but i knew i loved it because it was just like it wasn't something like oh i have to do it i was like oh like, this is awesome. You know, I'm going to get really good at this. So you, you were raised in the States. And so have you been over to Thailand and China a lot in different times or mostly here? Tell us a little bit how the, the travel goes. And what I'm really curious about is when you go to Thailand or you go to China. Yeah. Do you feel like that spiritual mm. ancestral connection or is it? Oh, that's cool. I'm from there. I, I would love to know. No, that. Yeah, that's a great question. Because so when um. I still go to Thailand. So I went a lot when I was a kid, when um, my whole family. So there's my parents and then I have an older brother and younger, I'm sorry, older sister and a younger brother. 
So we all went in a family almost every other summer. So um, because they, we still have family there. And I like absolutely loved it. It was so much fun hanging out with my family. And like I said, my mom was one of eight. So there was like tons of, tons of things to do there. And I definitely felt like I love, like there's definitely a cultural difference between me and my cousins, like how they do things versus like um, growing up in the States. My mom used to ask me too, like, are you glad that you were born in America? And I was like, yes, because I don't think I would have could have done all those, the schooling that I did if I was um, overseas um, or have the drive to do so. So it's very interesting. My mom was very like different, you know, she wasn't a very typical <laughs> Chinese woman. Um, if I just say she's very like direct, honest, didn't care about anyone's opinion and wanted us to be happy here like doing whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know like, I'm going to talk about like Asian culture, right? It's like you either like a doctor, lawyer, right? <laughs> or <laughs> what's the other one? Doctor, lawyer, either one. Right. Mm-hmm. But my parents allowed us to express ourselves in whatever way we wanted. So my sister's a tattoo artist is pretty cool. <laughs> Your sister's a tattoo artist and you're an acupuncturist. There's yeah. a needles going on yeah, in this family. Yeah. That's, what we, that's what we joke about. We should have a shop called like needle sisters and I do acupuncture and she does all the artwork, but it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, so in that way, like I love Thailand. I love what it like represents and I, the last time I was there was with my mom in 2011. And that was actually the first time I got acupuncture was in Thailand, not here, funny enough, from a Chinese doctor. Um, and that's kind of part of like what um, sparked my interest in it as well. So that was really cool. And I have gone to China. Um, we went as a school. So my acupuncture school uh, went in 2016 and we did an internship in Hangzhou, China. Um, even though it's a small city, it's like 2 million people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's small, yeah. right? That's small. Um, but we did a trip, like more touristy stuff in Beijing for the first week. And then uh, two weeks after that, we were in Hangzhou um, uh, shadowing the doctors in the hospital. So I got to see like, and it's really cool how they do stuff because they, they don't really see the Eastern and Western is separate. They combine the two, which like, I wish we could do here. I think that's amazing. Um, so seeing like they had like a oncology ward and we, they had like a, just a respiratory. Um, they had one clinic of just fertility and there'd be like lines of people, you know, coming to see this doctor um, and doing all the herbs. So definitely that connection I felt. And also every morning, which is awesome. I got to do Tai Chi with this like, little awesome lady who was like smaller than me but we i wake up to go do tai chi with a master and it was like it's so great um so i i definitely want to go back to china just to experience that again <laughs> you know i definitely feel that connection of like oh i want i love waking up early to do you know to train and then to work with them too yes i i love getting up early I used to be a night out and then I started getting up early because I got it at a job that started at 5.30 and, and all these things. <laughs> yeah. And then now I'm like, I love getting up and working out or doing whatever neat thing I'm going to do, meditate, journal, everything. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else is starting to wake up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm good. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> I, I love it now. I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know, that yeah. getting up. So let's talk about how the work you do you know, with acupuncture and all of it, because you have like this big array of things. And I want to bring it down to some ways, tips, understandings, whatever you want to share about how to help people actually sleep better or rest or get the stress out of their Mm. body. Um, We're living in a time right now where there's all these changes going on and it's kind of goofy and crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we're being called on as wellness people to really Mm -hmm. elevate um, knowledge for people that there are other answers other than just pills and drugs and yeah, staying or staying drunk or whatever. So, um, <laughs> and, and I believe that because you have such a great array of skill set and talent and your understanding and your belief is so deep. If somebody's listening to us and I'm sure there is somebody who's <laughs> like, man, I just need to, I just need to sleep through the night. I need to not mm. have insomnia. And I want to start mm. waking up in the morning with some energy instead of like, throwing myself out of bed and dragging until noon. Yeah. 
what are some understandings you have about what causes you know sleep problems, and what are a couple things that maybe we could teach some people how to do? Mm. Ooh, that's a loaded question. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, sleep is something. Uh, fortunately, I haven't had extreme issues with. I mean, there's some issues there, but I've I've kind of worked on what I call like sleep hygiene tips. Um, a little bit mixed at Western and Eastern um, side of how I think about things. But yeah, sleep, you know, your body needs to sleep. It's, it's the time that it recovers where I call like, it's like it gets rid of the garbage in your brain, <laughs> right? It's like the cleanup crew works in that time to kind of like help, help with recovery, help with like cognition, memory, all that stuff. So anyone that says like, oh, I don't need sleep or like sleep is for when you're dead. I'm like, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll give you kind of like uh, both sides to it. There's one I, I really like with Chinese medicine. So interestingly, like our organs actually have a circadian rhythm. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, what I see a lot, which is super interesting, is some people that deal with grief or they lost someone, they'll wake up at a certain time. So the lung organ is associated with grief. And I see this a lot with people dealing with loss as they wake up between 3 and 5 a.m. Um, and, and also, like before that, the, the liver has a time too. So the liver is, is 1 to 3 a.m. And liver also deals with, with stress and anger and all that stuff. Um, so I always like, you definitely want to try to put your liver to sleep before then. <laughs> So you actually don't get the same quality of sleep after 11 p.m. Really, like people are like, oh, but I still get eight hours because I wake up at like what eight or nine a.m. But that quality actually is not the same. So mm-hmm. you wanna, I say, you know, put your liver to sleep beforehand. <laughs> you wanna <laughs> sleep before 11 p.m. Because to me, you know, I don't have, you know, super backup research on that. But like I, I notice the quality is different when I sleep before that time versus sleeping after 11 or midnight, right? Even if you wake up eight or nine hours later, the quality is not the same. So one of the, the tips I would give is kind of try to shift your, your circadian rhythm where you're sleeping before 11 p.m. And that does improve the quality of your sleep. Um, and I have like a, I like to always like collect data on myself. <laughs> Cause I'm kind of like a mad scientist with stuff. So I do have stuff like, uh, I use like a ring to track how well I sleep throughout the night. So that also gives me an indicator. Um, another really good tip is, um, we like to snack a lot, right? <laughs> so I tell people not to eat after 8 PM. Cause what happens is biochemically when we, when we eat food after at night, it like triggers all the response, like the sugar level goes up and that keeps us awake too. So even though you get the, the munchies at night, you really don't want to eat past 8 p.m. Um, and what, what actually works really well too is, um, is doing kind of like a intermittent fasting, I guess you could call it, or like a window that you're eating at. And because when you allow yourself to not eat for like 11 hours, it gives the body enough time to clean up everything because we like don't realize how much we're eating throughout the day because we always like to snack on little things, but that doesn't give our digestive system enough time to to dig- digest stuff or clean up stuff. Um, it gives the spleen enough time to kind of like clean out the blood and stuff like that. So that's something that um, I try to keep in mind too is when I'm eating at night. Um, and not to eat too late, um, and not to sleep too late too. <laughs> so that so, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second because yeah. I have I have so many people who say, yeah, I eat whatever ice cream or have something you know to eat, and, and then they go to bed, and then they say that they don't sleep very well, and it's mm. well, let me help. I have always said, well, there's a lot of vitamin B in the milk and ice cream, and that can mm. give you weird dreams. But what you're saying is even in addition to that, eating that close to going to bed doesn't give your body a chance to assimilate what's going on. It messes up your blood sugar mm-hmm. and therefore it mm-hmm. really impairs things. So if you're going to have ice cream before you go to bed and you're going to go to bed at 11, you can't have your ice cream after eight. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what if somebody 
gets the munchies, like they want to crunch on something and, we're, and they're going to not have popcorn or chips and they choose to eat something like celery. Does mm. that have the same negative effect? You know, like could they munch on just celery alone between 8 and 11 and still mm. go to bed at 11? Or <laughs> is it mostly the sugar or is it anything? Or, or I don't know, it might be a weird question, but I'm just kind of thinking <laughs> about... <laughs> You know, the people who get the munchies, okay, we know yeah. not to do things that have sugar or calories, but what if it's just like plain celery? Yeah, that's a funny question. I never thought of it like that. I like, I like your thought process, but <laughs> it, might, it might still have an effect. If anything, you get the munchies, drink water or drink some like decaf tea without any, you know, sugar or honey in it. Just to, if, because sometimes you just like want to eat something, <laughs> right? So yep. I just tell my people to just drink water or drink something that doesn't have like a lot of calories. Like tea is, is a perfect example too. Yeah, I use organic herbal teas when I feel like having a treat at night. I yep. just, and I just, they're all, it's so good that it doesn't, yes. need, it doesn't yes. need a sweetener. It doesn't need anything, but it, the warmth of the cup and just yep. having the tea takes care of that want for whatever it is you know that could have been defaulted to something bad but i love my herbal tea yeah what i what i used to do at school was if i was feeling like i want a little like snack i would just warm up uh, i drink like oat milk now but then you add a little like turmeric and cinnamon and that actually helps with like relaxation too and turmeric is great in general that sounds really really good yeah so Thank any <laughs> any other tips to help people sleep better? I know I interrupted you. You were on, oh, no, we're on a roll, and I'm like, but wait a minute, no one ask about celery. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was if I eat celery. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so like not so we said like not sleeping or trying to go to bed before eleven, not eating too late. Um, also kind of, kind of controlling when we eat a little bit, um, doing some sort of. Um, pre-bed routine whether it be you know my husband likes to play games with his with his uh friends and that's just that's how he relaxes that's not how i relax but that's how he relaxes <laughs> everyone has their thing so something that <laughs> that you do and he wears actually uh, another thing i wanted to mention was like blue light uh blockers too and he wears like these glasses that really block out the blue light because mm -hmm. that also i'm sure you heard about that oh yes kind of um makes us stay up late and that's the issue now because people are using the computer so much so the blue light blocker glasses are really great um for that um if you're gonna look at your screen but really try not to look at your screen before you go to bed um so let me get back what was i saying oh yeah so have a pre-bed routine um sometimes i do stretching and i do most uh reading at night um, just to have something that's like it's prepping you for bed, whether and that can look different for everyone. Like maybe people like to stretch, or maybe you read a story to your kids, or maybe I don't know, you you play something with your friends, and something like that. It's just it's going to be a little different for everybody, but mm -hmm. I feel that that also helps. Or journaling, some people like to journal at night, you know, or do a brain dump, uh, writing it down. That that sometimes helps people too. I've heard that's that's good. Um, I personally don't do it. I tend to journal in the morning. But I know when, when you have so many thoughts in your mind, when you can get it out on paper or just write it before you go to bed, that also helps too. Yes. Yes, it does. I do that a lot sometimes if there's a lot of things going on. I just, if I write it all down and I take the hardcover book and I slam it shut and yeah. it's like, okay, I'm done with you until the morning. You're done. And if, yes. if, if I still feel like dealing with you tomorrow, I will. If not, see you later. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> we're good um and another tip too i would say keeping the temperature a little cooler at night too also induces sleep um and there are some meditations that help with sleep as well but you can't really funny enough you can't really do it like before bed you actually have to do it more um in the morning because it helps you throughout the day to to go to sleep better um so those are more like tips that people can do on their own other than like i also treat people with sleep issues and when i do acupuncture on them almost all of them say they always sleep better that night because i'm also decreasing a lot of the stress hormones within the body um there are also chinese herbs that that help if if you have a more serious 
uh, sleep issues that help with um, insomnia problems too. So those are, so though, like what I said before, is something you can do at home or go see someone, <laughs> go see an acupuncturist um, to help with your sleep issues as well. Right. I, I love how acupuncture works. And I, I, when my acupuncturist could come back to work after all this <laughs> stay at home thing, I think I was dancing in the streets. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I'm like, oh man. And I felt so much better. All the stuff that was blocking up in my system mm. energetically and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was about an hour gone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, and and I had people go, I don't do acupuncture. Ah, oh, the needles hurt. The needles, ah. Uh. I said, you know what? I don't think they, first of all, I don't think they hurt. Second of all, <laughs> I, I said, I have, I, you know, she's, I don't, I don't think they hurt. So the other thing that I noticed, and I, and so I, this is like a, a kind of personal question, but it, it's oh, universal yeah. when it comes to acupuncture. I know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the points that she would put the needle in, I'm I'm really sensitive. I can feel mm-hmm. stuff most people don't really feel. A couple of them felt like they were almost hitting the jam up. They, mm-hmm. You know, like I could feel them energetically. It didn't hurt me, but mm-hmm. I could feel yeah, it. Yeah. And yeah. then about 10 minutes after she got them all in and she was gone, and I'm meditating, which is my favorite time yes. the rest ever, I felt it, that feeling was gone. So my assumption is she got the right meridian where that whatever the jam up was, was, mm-hmm. and the needles helped clear it. Am I, mm. is my assumption accurate? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, there are like, uh, just to give people understanding with acupuncture, you have like 12 main channels, or I call them channels, meridians, whatever you call them. They're kind of like rivers, right? And then we have all these points that access that we can physically access with um, an acupuncture needle that can get jammed up or blocked. It's kind of like, you know, when there's a dam, so I, I'm thinking of the channels like rivers, yes. right? And you get, if it gets like, if there's gunk in there, right? The water turns all this murkiness, right? So it creates mm-hmm. all this stagnation, this blockage, um, and you can't get the clear water to flow. Because um, every channel kind of has its own, again, circadian rhythm of flowing well. So then when a certain point is blocked or, maybe it doesn't have enough water, right? So this, it can go either way. You, with the acupuncture point, like any tender spot, usually I will palpate too on different channels to see like what's, like people are like, oh, that really hurts. It's like, okay, that area is blocked. So you're let, when you do the acupuncture needle, and if, like some people have different techniques, some people just like kind of leave them in. I actually do a little bit manipulation to kind of get it to break up. And then people will feel like, the feel sensation of it going down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's opening up the channel. It's really cool. I love it. <laughs> Obviously, so, I love it. <laughs> so my understanding is that when the channels open, you go get your treatment and the channel that they work on, you know, that you would work on with me is open, then that allows, gives my body permission to do its natural healing ability, yes. whatever yes. that is. It sets yes. the stage to start let the body heal itself and work on that versus mm-hmm. staying stagnant, which then leads to dis-ease and, and all the other kinds of pain. Am, yes. Am I, right? Yes. Yes. All right, perfectly. Yeah. All right. Look at you. You can be acupuncture. <laughs> and I tell you, I, it's so funny because I first was exposed to acupuncture a long time ago from a chiropractor I went to and he had an acupuncture yeah. in his office. He didn't do it. He had somebody in there and I'm like, I'll try anything once. Cause I work only with gifted people and I have a rule that I pretty much try anything and everything before I recommend it, mm. both practitioner-wise, but also item-wise. Like I, I can speak to what acupuncture does pretty well and different kinds of it even because I go try it. Yeah. And, and that way, then when I'm recommending it to a client, they understand that it's just not coming off the top of my head, that yes. it's, it's yes. a, it might be an intuitive idea to help support what they're doing, but I also have experience or at least something, some knowledge base, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so ever since then, uh, the first time I'm like, wow, I feel like really good. And then they were saying all these other things and Chinese herbs, and that was way over my head. Now I understand <laughs> it more. But back then I'm like, okay, well, I'll try them. And they gave me some herbs that look like little BB things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, mm-hmm. and so, and I'm like, and I and I felt better between the chiropractor and those two things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then also, I've also had um, an acupuncture slash chiropractor person who 
it was quite the opposite. It was like mm. in the interview, we, we got along really well, but then there was, I just, we just didn't vibe together, you mm. know, like mm -hmm. it didn't mm -hmm. work. And so the message really is to everybody, you know, that make sure that you are comfortable and happy and you feel safe with your practitioner. I mean, because yes. Dr. Kanita is going to care for you like she did her mother. <laughs> that's a different, that's a different qualitative connection to your patients than somebody who said, oh, I think I can make a lot of money doing acupuncture. This is really mm -hmm. kind of fun. And I'm just going to do this and I'll just memorize the meridians and pop in the needles and then that's yep. the end mm -hmm. of it. Those are, that's two different kinds of, of practitioner and there's the, all the range in the middle. So if somebody was going, I want to try acupuncture, what are some things that the prospective patient might want to learn about Ooh. their their practitioner, like if they were going to interview or they were going to look up the person online or they were going to do it. What, what's a good way to discern mm. if, you know, practitioner person A or B, who would be more in alignment? Because it seems to me that mm. if you're really connected to the, your practitioner, the work they do also resonates with your body more, which then you get better long-term results because you're connected. Yes. Right. Yes. So, Ooh, yes. That's a good question, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, number one, um, I know some issues with like, I'm sure you heard like dry kneeling, all that stuff. It's very different. Mm -hmm. I will say off the bat because the training that goes into acupuncture is immense, with especially with the masters and people who do. I know chiropractors do dry kneeling, but they only do like. A weekend course is so different so you just want to make sure of that too that you're getting an acupuncturist and not just someone that's done um you know like a weekend course on this if you want to get if you want to get a certain result um mm. because because like man when we first when you first um learn how to needle each other man it was rough for the first year it took a while to get back, but you know, that it takes a long time. It's not just like a weekend, boom, boom, like you're connected. It's, it's, it's the training that goes into the technique, but also like you said, um, the intention too. And mm. that's why I do the martial arts for me personally. Okay. This is just for me. I want, I like someone that has done a martial arts or done some sort of movement that understands their body alignment because that plays a role in how they needle too. So that's just, that's just for me. Like I, I like right. someone that has that background and because when I, when I do even chiropractic, when I do acupuncture, um, I'm like doing a certain thing or I'm, I'm needling from like, um, uh, what I call like my Ming Men, which is the life gate in my back. So that connection mm -hmm. too. And then there's an intention that goes into it. And for me, it's like when you ask that question, like how do you find a practitioner? It's almost like you just have to ask and like read into their background. Um, it, I feel like you'll know when you're in person um, mm -hmm. to have that connection. And there's, you know, some patients that I've had that I just didn't vibe with too. It just, it just happens, you know, or they, maybe they don't want to accept it or you know whatever just depends but it's a good question i'm like, i'm trying to think i don't know if that kind of answered it but it's just like what i look for it's like that background of like the intention the how they move to how they do their body alignment that's very important to me well that makes perfect sense to me and you answered the question because i I think it does have to do with when you're in person with the person, you know, you're there face to face, then mm -hmm. you can, you know, pay attention to how you feel and do you trust them and is, mm -hmm. the, is, are the questions they ask you or the dialogue that they have with you safe and it feels good and you want to see them, you know, um, and it's, those things are all discerning things. And I really like that you brought up the point about uh, the way I translate it is being multifaceted. Like, okay, I just didn't go to acupuncture school. I actually practice the other things that go along with that mentality, mm -hmm. that yes. intention, the mindset. Mm -hmm. It's not just I went to school and now I can do needles for you. Yes, exactly. It's, and it, it's all of the thousands of years of healing culture, movement, mm -hmm. alignment mm -hmm. that you that you bring with you because you practice those things. 
And yeah, you know, I try to live the medicine. That's what that's what you want to look for. You want to look for someone that lives the medicine. That lives the medicine. <laughs> that's a perfect way to say it. That's a perfect way to say it. You know, find somebody who lives in the way that you want to get to. Like if they're mm. doing, if they're living it, then they can show you how or teach you how or work with you to mm -hmm. get there because they know what it yeah. is. Yeah, and to um, add to that what you said before of like the different aspects, I think people just see acupuncture, right? And But like traditional Chinese medicine is multifaceted. It's actually like the, not only the acupuncture, but the tuina, which is Chinese medical massage. Um, and I was also fortunate to have a good teacher the Chinese herbal medicine, the nutrition we eat too, um, and the um, the qigong, the movement. And I do cupping and gua sha, which is an additional to like uh, more of the physical stuff. But like how you eat, how you move is also just as important. Because where I can, I was talking to my friend about it. Uh, like for her, she's a dancer, and I can stick all the needles in her neck. Right. She has like really bad neck pain. But if I don't fix that alignment issue, like it's just going to come back. Right. So I also have to teach her the. I was like, I need to give you actually Qigong exercise to realign your neck because there's something wacky, too. Because even when I felt her neck or adjusted it, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, but that doesn't come overnight. It's like it's it's the it's the repetitive, the chronic chronicity of it mm -hmm. that that makes it like this now i think people also the i'm gonna go so sorry totally tangent on this but with pain you know people want to get rid of it with a pill just like that but that doesn't really fix the problem i think people need to realize that you've been like that for years so it's going to take time to unwind it too which is what acupuncture and all that the 29 everything is really good at you just have to be patient with it because we're getting to the root cause right it's just mm -hmm. but we always want a quick fix and you're like, oh, I feel better. But you also need other things to kind of have longevity in your treatment too. Yes. That I'm glad you went on that tangent because it's so, <laughs> it's, it's so very important. It's so very important. And, you know, and I tell people that all the time, you know, we, none of us got this way overnight with whatever our challenges are. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and if you just put a pill on most of it, it is like putting a band—I can say it's like putting a bandaid on a cyst. The yeah. cyst keeps growing. Yeah. The problem's still there. <laughs> you might feel better for a minute or two or twenty mm -hmm. minutes or an hour, and but you didn't do anything with the cause. And and one of the things I love about acupuncture is really helping with the cause. And and I'm now a new Qigong kind of fan because of your videos. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, I I've always been curious about it, but never really mm -hmm. got. I never really could seek a place or find a place or find a teacher or watch a video. I, it just never really, the right person never showed up. You know, when they say the student's ready, the teacher appears. Well, that's, that's probably what happened because <laughs> I saw yeah. your video. I'm like, I can do that. I can follow mm -hmm. her. And, and um, I have been to the best of my ability doing pretty good. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do a Zoom call and I'll show and we can I know, yeah, yeah. I do, um, right. you some alignment. I have to look at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's very, very exciting to get to have you on the show and talk to you because you're somebody who's really freely giving and freely caring about mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. and running a successful business and you have a great husband and you have great animals like Teddy's yes. so cute <laughs> and- you know, and you have this wonderful, well-balanced life, or, you know, so what are some things that Dr. Kanita does for Ooh. your own stress management and your own staying vital and alive and focused? And because you've got lots of things going on and they're all really I cool. Know. What, yeah. do you, what do you do for you? <laughs> I just, so sometimes my brain does a million things, but it's either the curiosity of life, right? That keeps you vibrant. I think that's the main thing for me. Uh, what I try to tell my, my community is like, especially, you know, feeling the social isolation of everything, mm -hmm. um, having projects, having something you always wanted to learn, you know, start that. Like, why not? We have, we have so many tools at our disposal. Like when I, I was supposed to go to Thailand in two weeks for my honeymoon, sadly. Um, so what I was doing was um, doing italki or practicing my Thai 
because I'm like, okay, but I was trying to be more fluent. So I could talk to my family there more. Um, and that doesn't take like the main thing of people is like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. Like you have uh, what I call like the edges of time. Like if you go on a walk, we can listen to a podcast in the language or something like that. You know, um, I think people just have this this mindset of like not having enough time to mm. do stuff. But there's so many things in the edges of our schedule that we can fit in. We just don't realize it. Um, another thing for like stress management, I'm sure this comes to no surprise, but I always love, I love my Kung Fu. So I've been doing a lot more of that. And because I have really fun weapons, I get to go outside in the sun and like flail them around right now. So that's, that's also like, that's movement therapy for me too. Um, any kind of movement, whether you're like a dancer or like you're a boxer or yogi, you know, having some sort of movement every day um, is extremely vital for your own health, right? Because we only have one body. We have to, <laughs> to keep it moving. And my goal is when I'm 80 or 90, I'm still going to like do stuff. I'm still going to like do all sorts of things or box until I can. <laughs> I believe you. I, yeah. think, I think that's how that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I just stay vibrant. <laughs> um, but the curiosity and, and trying new things is what really helps kind of dig you out of like that, that depression or that inner, the inner stress with everything or inner distress. I'm sorry. Um, so other than that, the movement therapy, some sort of grounding practice mm. um, for me that's partially the qigong but then i also added meditation to it and if you have kids or anything pick a time where like they you know this is why waking up earlier is always good so you just like quiet time to sit start the day like that um and i also do dry i do a lot of stuff right now so so this you don't have to do everything so don't do everything i do but just pick pick one thing and try to incorporate more into your life i think keeping it simple is the best um journaling is also something i do mm-hmm. so i do this thing called the morning pages that i got from yes. um a book so you in the morning you just write three things you're grateful for it can be like something um like a friendship that you appreciate or the weather or something you witness something you know it can be anything mm-hmm. um then three things that will make today great make that day great and then um, daily affirmations. So that's something really simple. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow a prompt to do every morning, that's that's super helpful. And I've been doing it for the past month. <laughs> no, that's really great. I've, I've written a couple books. One is a meditation book for visionary leaders. Oh. And another one is called Hope Realized for people who want to feel more hope. And it's got a word of the day, a quote. Mm. And then I unpack the quote in about 120 words. And then it has a daily application. Do this. And mm-hmm. then a place to journal at the bottom. So at the oh, end of the I day, like that. you come back and journal your experience. And then every 90 days throughout the book, there's blank pages to write, how are you now? Like, how does this 90 mm-hmm. days spend? How? And it starts with day one. So it's not based on calendar. It's based on when we start. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that having that kind of grounding focus of something to look at in the morning, a word of the day, something yes. that it reminds us what we're grateful for whatever that would be is so yeah. is so important for like long-term stress reduction and not getting to that point where you're in such distress you don't know what to do next you know mm-hmm. absolutely super important i love that i need to go get that book from you <laughs> <laughs> i will i will send you one when we're done with this interview you oh, let me yeah. know and i i will send you one as a thank you for being on my show <laughs> Now, I want to also talk, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. It's yeah. kind of the same but different, but a lot of people have a lot of physical pain. And I mm-hmm. believe that physical pain impacts our sleep and it increases our distress level. And so I know you're an expert in helping people relieve pain. So of course, acupuncture and chiropractic and the things we've been talking about and keeping your stress level down are required. And and what you keep talking about, which I have not had anybody mention yet, is about the whole alignment thing. Like mm-hmm. if you're not aligned, if you're not aligned properly, then it doesn't necessarily, everything works, but not quite as well, obviously. So that makes sense to me completely. It's just, mm-hmm. I've never had anybody say it that way. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh yeah, that's kind of right. So if somebody's listening to us and they've got pain going on and mm. 
maybe they can't get to the acupuncturist right now, or maybe they, you know, they, because I don't know where they would be. And most places are shut down. We're starting to open Florida again, but that doesn't, you know, we don't know. Is there anything, something, is there something someone can do? I, my thing would be find you on YouTube and Instagram or wherever you are, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and go watch your videos because you say what they're for in the beginning, yes. the exercises, <laughs> and you just find the ones that match with what's going on and yes. then do that every day. That would be what I would tell them to do. Yes. In addition to that, is there something else you would tell someone to do to help them with their physical pain? Yes. You know, uh, it came in my head when you asked me this. It's, it all comes down to breathing mm-hmm. is what I find. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't breathe. I find out we don't breathe very well because – we think like we were supposed to breathe, like our lungs are up here. So chest breather, but we're actually supposed to breathe lower down into our abdomen. I call it kidney breathing in one of my videos. Mm-hmm. So for people that are in pain, if you just start with bringing your breath down into your abdomen and breathing correctly, it's like amazing how much of your muscles will relax. And I sometimes do this with my patient who I can see that they don't breathe correctly or they have, um, a lot of it's sometimes connected to low back pain. Um, a little, I'm going to go a little technical here, but you have like a, the diaphragm is like this dome. So it actually helps with breathing. It like pulls the lungs down and then back up. But the diaphragm, the, mus- the muscles are actually connected to the lumbar spine. So when that gets wonky or you're not breathing correctly, you can actually get uh, low back pain, or some people actually get, um, because our esophagus also comes out of the diaphragm, you can get reflux too, if you don't know how to breathe correctly. So a lot of times I tell people to like, put their hands on their stomach. And uh, I show this in a video. So you, you lay down on your back, you try to flatten your back against the the floor or the table, whatever. And you focus on bringing your breath down into your belly and expanding and 360 direction you know a lot of people like think of breathing is just up and down but it's actually this whole like cylindrical force right mm-hmm. and when we when we breathe correctly we're not only bringing oxygen which is what we want to our body um that's very it brings nutrients but you also um what do you call it you're also relaxing the muscles and using the correct muscles to hold your body up and not compensating that makes sense. Wow. That made perfect <laughs> sense. I'm listening to you and I'm like, see, this is why I knew I could just talk to you forever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my. Oh, a 360 breathing. That yeah, makes so, yeah. right. mm-hmm. it makes so much sense. I, because I am a big one on breathing, you know, like breathe. And I, there's a person who um, actually comes to my morning lives every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was in one of my workshops and she was like two or three people away from me. She was about 10. <laughs> and I'm talking about whatever I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, because I'm so intuitive and it just comes through, I looked over, I said, would you just take a breath? <laughs> Her energy was so blocked up because she was holding, mm. she was hardly breathing, you know, barely enough to sustain life. And I'm like, I, you know, I, it was affecting my energy, the mm. holding of the breath. Right. And so just like, you know, like when you're in yoga or something, everybody in the room takes a deep breath. I go, air is your friend. Everybody mm-hmm. can take a deep breath all at the same time, and there's still plenty of air. We're not mm-hmm. going to run out. Like, <laughs> we don't have to do that. And so I love how you describe that, and I'm glad you brought up the breathing part because it is so vital. And, and I've learned that when I've been practicing um, the Qigong with you, like yes. you in and out, and I, because I have a gifted brain, sometimes it's a form of dyslexia where I do, it back, I do things backwards unless I'm really watching. I mean, it's really interesting when I'm doing quilting and learning things that I know. <laughs> like, yeah. I can think this is perfectly straight and eh, and then it will be backwards. And I, a lot of the time, it, the people teaching me are like, oh, I'm like, I told you, I warned you. I've never, they go, I've never seen anybody do it like that. I go, well, <laughs> now you have. <laughs> now you have. <laughs> now you met me. Right. And so now you can't say that. And, and so it's really fun, but the breathing is so important because, you know, air is meant, but I didn't know that the diaphragm was connected to the lower back Mm -hmm. or the whole esophagus thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I can remember years ago, gosh, I don't know, this is probably 20 years ago now. I had 
a center I was running that was very, very, very busy. It was very mm-hmm. crazy. I was, my stress level was through the roof and I would lay, as soon as I would lay down in bed at night, my back would start tightening up and, mm. and I started getting acid reflux, even though I didn't need anything for at least five hours before I went to bed. And I'm like, why am I so tight there? Mm. And then when I would meditate and breathe, because I was a real big meditator and I do just start meditating to put myself to sleep and kind of relaxing and letting go of the tension of the day, all those symptoms went away. Mm. But I never knew. I just never studied my anatomy <laughs> deep enough, even though I loved it, to have that awareness. So thank you for sharing that with me. Now I have. Yes. And all of you guys have more awareness too. Isn't Dr. Kanita Cole? I just, <laughs> I just think it's really a riot. And, and she looks like she's 12 or 13. She's so young and, and she's so educated and so gifted. And how cool is that, that you're on the show with us? Ah, I love it. It's just, we can talk forever. I know. Like, I know. Anatomy is so interesting, but it is. be a whole different show. <laughs> right. We'll, do, we'll have to do round two for the anatomy yeah. part. But I, I'm curious about what is the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Oh, memorable food. Mm. Memorable food. I just had, ha- I'm kind of going back into to, uh, China a bit. Because um, I, I love obviously Asian food, so I'm very partial to that. And man, I don't know what is it about China tofu, but it's so good. <laughs> it's like the silkiness, and that that like what came to my mind because I'd be vegetarian there. It's so good vegetables, how they cook it, eggplant mm-hmm. um, and tofu. Um, you know, I love Thai food too, but that's what came to my mind. <laughs> Yeah. The the China it's in China. I don't know why tofu here doesn't taste as good, but the tofu in China was amazing. There you go, the tofu in China. There you go. I love Asian food too. Like I just if you could leave me alone and just let me eat like Filipino, Thai, Chinese, yes. all yeah. of them. I just let me just hang out in that food group, that food exactly. way. <laughs> and and I would be totally cool. Like yes. totally yeah. fine. Like there's no part of me that misses I miss my Thai food. When you know, there's no more restaurants. In fact, I am. We're going to go out and have some Thai food here the, yes, later this week. Very good. <laughs> the first thing, the first thing I think of is, I want those vegetables. Mm-hmm. I love the vegetables, green so vegetables. I know, yeah. right? Now, now we're making <laughs> ourselves crunch. hungry. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Dr. Kanita is on Instagram, Facebook, Lots YouTube. She has a website, and she's on LinkedIn, and so. All you have to do is check the show notes of the show and click on there and send her a message or follow her, watch yeah, her video, watch do. her videos because we have in our midst a woman who really cares about healing of people mm-hmm. is connected. But more than that, she's a visionary and she's educated and she's competent and her motive is altruistic, which is a really fine and upstanding motive and way of being, if you ask me, which is why I asked you on the show, by the way. Appreciate it. So if you're really liking what she's saying and you want to learn more, go seek her out. It's very easy. I have become a fan. And so (laughs) if you follow me on those things, you will see her because I follow her now. Mm -hmm. Now, I have another quick question for you that I asked just about everybody. And I definitely have to ask you this question. If you were going to have a billboard, the whole world could see, mm. what would be Dr. Kanita's message? <laughs> Woo, you put me on the spot. This is hard. Think about this one. <laughs> My billboard message. Oh, the one that comes to mind that I, I guess I kind of emanate now is uh, move, movement is life. Oh, that's beautiful. Movement is life. Mm -hmm. That's where our vitality is. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I know we've covered a lot today and I could keep on going. So there'll be an interview. (laughs) Number two, you, you, only a few people um, end up with me saying, please come back on the show. So (laughs) now that you've said yes, I have it recorded. (laughs) Is there any is there anything that you wanted to talk about today or something that you were hoping you were going to be able to share with people that I didn't think about or didn't ask you? Is there something left on your heart that you would like to share? The only thing is, you know, for anyone listening, if you're interested, 
in any of like the movement therapies or um, any other topics you would like. I would love to hear from you. You know, I'm very, I like to think about certain things or to, to help people as much as I can um, uh, with, with movement, with Chinese medicine, but specifically uh, the movement therapy. So I would love to get your input on that if you would like. There is the invitation. So if there's something you want to learn about or something you want to know about or something you would like to see helped or healed mm-hmm. or whatever, contact Dr. Kanita and let her know. I know when I said I wanted to look at this and that and the other thing and within, I don't know, minutes, I had mm-hmm. some th- places to start. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so she's really helpful that way. So contact her and let her know you heard her on the show and allow her to share her gift with you and you share your gift with her. And then that's how we okay. all realize that someone gets me, right? <laughs> yes. Love it. So talking about sleeping better and getting rid of distress and all kinds of things could go on forever. But thank you so much for being on the show with us and sharing so much knowledge and wisdom mm-hmm. so freely. I greatly appreciate it. I was happy to thank you so much for having me on the show. And I guess I'll come back another time. (laughs) Yes, we will do interview number two. And remember everybody to put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you. You're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So let's all go out there and move and create the beautiful life you were here to create. And until the next episode, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.